Breakfast from Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Welcome back to Warriors Weekly, the official Glasgow Warriors Club podcast. My name is Jack Reed, and I'm joined by the most prolific finisher in European rugby, the try machine that is Adam Ash. You just cannot stop, mate. Two more on the weekend against Leon. Loving life. Yep. Uh, good to get a couple of scores on the weekend, and uh, even better to get the win over there. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a good game, and it's always nice to to get a couple of scores. Uh, first one didn't really have to work too much for it. It was good from, from George Horn to see a bit of space around the ruck and then, uh, to be honest, I thought he was going to go in himself and then managed to get an offload away to me. Uh, the second one, uh, I think maybe a bit of fatigue from the Leon boys and just barged my way over the line. But no, as I say, it was a, a fantastic performance and uh, I think everybody that travelled, all the fans, supporters, and uh, certainly I know the players really enjoyed the day. Uh, we had a few hours to burn afterwards in the mm-hmm. pavilion, sort of clubhouse that they've got uh, over in Leon, um, and it was just good to socialise with all the, the the supporters and the fans. Uh, we had the guitar out ourselves, we had a little sing song, uh, and yeah, it was great. Flew back that night, and uh, yeah, back into another week. We'll get back to the whole trip a bit later on, but I do want to talk about your try scoring. Is it is this your most prolific season ever already? You're on five. I think so. To be honest, I can't remember. I've definitely not had a kind of scoring spree like this before. Don't know where it's come from. It's, so it's not something you've worked on specifically. No. You've just kind of found yourself in the right place. No, I right guess I think or? when I think potentially getting quite a few games under my belt, you start to get a little bit of a you know taste for where to be at, mm-hmm. and uh, at which time and and what things. I guess I guess being a back rower, you have a bit of a free license to roam when you get into the opposition twenty two. So. You know, I think it's definitely a habit. Like you, you sort of you see where teams are weak. For instance, on the weekend, uh, one of the things I noticed was that Leon were quite weak around their guard and shield area. So they're sort of first and second defender out from the ruck. Um, so I just started calling to George. I said, "Look, like look for the, the little short ball off you from around around the rocks." And so when he went through, you were ah, so you screaming at him. I, then I was saying, "I said, George, it's kind of tuck ball. It's what we call it, just to lift it up." Um, and then he ran, the guy that was marking me stayed on me, so opened up a gap for him, he went through, and then uh, that was it under the sticks, but there was probably another three or four uh, similar scenarios in the game where I kind of carried just outside the guard, uh, inside the shield, and there was space there. So I think you do, you start to kind of pick up little cues, and, and again, when you, you play more with your nines and your tens, mm-hmm. you, you, you definitely get a feel for each other, so... No, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, probably a mixture of of that and just getting some good game time. Um, yeah, it's nice, nice when it comes along, but I'm sure it's not going to last forever. <laughs> it's five points on the road against a big French team doing really well in their own competition, but it says a lot about our expectations now. I was in the team meeting earlier in the week and disappointed about stuff. Disappointed about the penalty count, things we can really improve on. That's a good place to be, isn't it? That when you get such an impressive result that actually we're focusing on what we can fix. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, by no means was that a complete performance. I think at times we were pretty inaccurate. Um, you know, it's probably the most penalties we've given away all season on a game. So we gave them plenty of opportunities to get back into the game. Um, and to, I guess to, to win or get 40 points in a team is still a fantastic mm-hmm. thing to do so I think it shows that we're in a, in a good place and, and that even on our kind of 
off days. It wasn't a completely off day, but we certainly weren't at our best. We still have the ability to beat big teams. Um, but you know, I think that's part of uh, the makeup of this club is the coaches are always going to want more out of us, uh, regardless of how complete a performance is. Um, now you look at back the week before that. You know, I think in general it was probably a much more complete performance. Mm-hmm. Less less errors. We were a lot more accurate. A lot more game. clinical. The Scarlets game. Um, but again, yeah, it's fantastic to be able to go out there and, and play against Leon and, and not be at our best and have a, have a great win. And they're a big team. You're, you're carrying some battle scars here now. You've got your yeah. nose and your forehead all cut up. They're, they're back row, especially kind of monsters, aren't they? Yeah. What was it like out there? Uh, yeah, it was a physical game. Uh, you know, big team. Uh, got a nice blend throughout their team of uh, evasive players, physical players. Yeah, they like um, to play for a French team, don't they? Yeah, they, they played a lot. Yeah. At 15, he was uh, pretty elusive and he broke the line a few times um, so they've got a lot of dangerous players uh, I thought their back row carried pretty well second rows were extremely physical a lot of big collisions uh, every time I carried the ball seemed to be the second rows that were in front of me <laughs> so uh, I, they're, they're, a, they're a really good team and I think they're sitting fourth mm-hmm. in the top 14 so um, well, they don't lose at home yeah, traditionally in their own competition I know which is again you know, it's, it shows uh, how difficult that is to do and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's fantastic for us over the weekend they're coming here this Saturday, obviously. Do you reckon they'll be a bit more motivated? Is that something? In these back-to-back games, we get it a couple of times in the season in Europe and then we'll have it for Edinburgh again. If you lose the first one, are you extra motivated going into the second one? Are we going to have to be a bit wary of that? Yeah, I think so. I think regardless of the team that Leon put out this weekend, um, you know, as we say, any French team that gets beaten at home, you know, it's not, it's not good for them. It's something they kind of pride themselves on is, is their record at home and, and for us to, to beat them there they're going to want to right some wrongs so um, yeah, I think regardless of who they, they bring over this weekend and what team they field uh, they want to get things right and, and prove to themselves that they are one of the top teams in, in France and can compete at this level obviously uh, European wise the results have probably not went the way they've wanted them to go so uh, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine they'll be playing for, for a bit of pride uh, so it's going to be a tough game uh, it'll be a completely different track, that's for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. The pitch over there was pretty boggy, uh, quite legs. sandy. That's the reason why I've got this big cut on my, my face. Uh, it actually happened the week before against Scarlet. It's just skinned my face in the arse turf, but uh, I think the sand and the pitch, after a couple of face plants, it took another few layers of skin off. Um, but I, there's, there's a few sore bodies this week. Definitely makes a difference going from, from the arse turf onto... Mm-hmm. A boggier pitch, uh, you know. I personally felt like I was blowing the whole game, <laughs> which at Scots then you, you kind of go. I feel like you go through phases of being really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be. It should make for a different game this week. I think uh, you know we'll be looking to play a fast brand of rugby and and uh, hopefully keep the game alive. And you know I think that's definitely one of the big differences between. Uh, you know the, the the league that we play in and the league that the French boys play in. I think their weekend week out rugby is a lot slower than what we play. Uh, sitting with their coach after the game, he was saying that you know their boys found a, a massive step up in pace and intensity. Uh, I think they're used to a kind of slower game, a lot more play off nine and you know forwards crashing it up. Uh, and, and of course, there was a lot of that from us in the weekend. But I think. You know, where, where we scored our tries, it was uh, some fast-paced phases and, and multiple-phase rugby, which is probably something we're not used to. So more of that this week. You mentioned the away support. It felt like a home game out there at the points. We had the charter flight 
with so many sports traveling with us and then so many people made their own way out there it was great to see so many people out there and a bit of a sing song like you said afterwards yeah it was fantastic um pretty full plane it must have been you know not too many spare seats i managed to bag myself an extra leg room at the front which was great uh but no it was great uh you know, managed to have some really good conversations uh, on the way out. Got speaking to a young lad called Aaron. Uh, he was over there with his dad. His dad surprised him. Uh, I think he, he thought he was going for a doctor's appointment. His dad was picking him up from school at the end of the day, and obviously they were they were actually come to the airport to travel with us. So I think he was really pleased, and uh, he was he was a lovely little guy, full of questions and asking all sorts about. Uh, you know the guys here, and uh, it was extremely knowledgeable for a young fella, actually. Um, so I, it was fantastic. These uh, times are invaluable and, and great to connect with the fans. And, and of course, after the game, um, you know it was, it was a fantastic spread they have on out there. Mm -hmm. They put on a big meal, um, a kind of buffet type thing, and a couple of quiet beers after a nice win. So really good to to chat to, to all the travelling support and 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 the Leon fans as well were fantastic. You know they were obviously. Uh, really pleased to see a, see a good game of rugby and um, enjoyed it massively so they were very appreciative of, of us hanging around uh, after the game uh, so all in all it was a fantastic weekend uh, really enjoyable If you did miss the opportunity to fly with the team out to Leon, don't don't be too disheartened there will be more opportunities going forward so keep your eye on all our social channels because some of these big games coming up especially across Europe we'll be looking to charter out and we do love all the supporters coming with us, so keep an eye out for that. Um, you mentioned the sing-song after the game. Who leads that? And um, um, the Baby Shark video. Oh, yeah. Um, we, uh, Hoggy was leading it. We sang a song called uh, The Rattling Bog, I believe mm -hmm. it's called. Um, and I don't know where it originates from. I think it might be an Irish song. Right. Um, and it's been kind of kicking around uh, this warrior circle for a few years now, and... Uh, we had a song after games uh, for a couple of years and we thought this year we'd change it so changed it to that uh, it's kind of like a, one of these songs that somebody leads it and then everyone joins in after a few verses and Hoggy was leading it after the game it's fantastic uh, sometimes sing it actually when we come into training so we usually start training early on a Thursday morning and to wake everybody up we usually have a little sing song in the 7.30 uh, meeting that we have in the morning so uh, it's, it's good fun, uh, good way to celebrate things and it's uh, yeah, it's just nice to, to have that to look forward to after a big win and you know, kind of uh, great way to celebrate. And after the game with the guitar? Guitar, uh, yeah we usually do that uh, for away games, we usually somebody will bring a guitar along and uh, there's a few guys that are pretty handy with it so they'll, I've uh, got a few classics that we go to, we'll have a sing along as a team and uh, Nick Frisbee uh, left the group I think to go to the bar and then came back with uh, a shark costume but just the head part of the costume was a massive big thing uh, Stolen it off a mascot Ah he stole it off the mascot, that's exactly what it was and uh, he came in and he was kind of, he had the shark mouth one hand on top, one hand ben up, uh, beneath and he was giving it the old baby shark song and then we, we had a sing song, baby shark to mama shark to Daddy shark, whatever, whatever it goes like. It was quite funny. Somebody was taking a video of it, so that was a, it was a good laugh. Um, well, it lasted. <laughs> I think he ended up uh, shooting through and giving the, the mascot back his kit. Uh, but it was just, it was awesome. Uh, as I said, really good setup, and it's 
quite nice to, to have a few hours after the game just to relax mm-hmm. and not have to shoot off to the airport straight away. I guess that's one of the benefits of charter on a flight. You, you don't have to be in a massive rush to, to get away. Um, so yeah, it was it was just fantastic, and you know, and a lot of the, all the guys enjoyed themselves. Away from the game, it was announced yesterday that Tommy Seymour is extending his stay at the club. He's staying for an extra year. Um, so obviously after his try scoring record after you've taken it off him but it's, <laughs> it's good to have him sticking around for a while longer Hi well that's fantastic Tommy's obviously been part of this club for a long time uh, I can remember the first year I came into the academy um, Tommy signed uh, from the club came from Ulster and yeah he's been here ever since obviously been a phenomenal part of the club um, unbelievable try scoring record way over 100 caps now and has went on to have some of the highest achievements you can you can get in rugby, obviously with the Lions, and he's representing Scotland a lot as well. So uh, we're lucky to have him here at this club, and you know, I think it's uh, really exciting that he's committed for for another year. Uh, we're we're lucky to have him. We're all certainly pleased that he's continuing his stay here. Well, Jack and Ashy with the weekly Glasgow Warriors podcast. Yes, fantastic news that Tommy is going to be adding to his 122 Warriors appearances. Someone else who knows an awful lot about representing Glasgow is Graham Morrison. Until Rob Harley overtook him very recently, no one had played more times in the club than Graham. And last month, we invited members of the Glasgow Warriors Business Club to the famous Kraus offices in the middle of the city for a whiskey tasting with Graham and Rob Harley, as well as a Q&A with the two of them. Two of the longest-serving Glasgow players celebrating one of the longest-serving sponsorship. And here's what Graham had to say about his time with the Warriors and a bit about life after rugby too. As Graham mentioned, Rob is honing in on 200 club appearances, so we're going to save speaking to him for a special podcast should he reach that milestone soon. The official Glasgow Warriors podcast. Um, Graham, I want to start with you. It's been a few years now since you hung up your boots. How is... Life without rugby, enjoying it, missing it? Um, it's been, well, I sort of retired, yeah, I guess almost five years ago, um, which has gone pretty quickly. Uh, I think time flies when you're having such fun uh, on the outside world. Um, yeah, so now I'm a chartered accountant. Um, I, I left rugby uh, without really too much, um, too much in the way of sort of a qualification or skills, and I found myself in this world. Is there a question on this a bit later, or should I? Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I kind of uh, I left that the rugby behind. Um, the rug, the rug got pulled from under the feet. It kind of happened quite unexpectedly, and uh, I got I got approached by the Institute of Chartered Accountants in Scotland, uh, who asked if I would like to consider becoming a CA. Um, and I, I thought, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I actually had no idea what a CA was. Uh, uh, and then I did a bit of research and realised that actually, you know, a lot of a lot of the top companies in the UK and then worldwide actually have quite have CAs at the helm or somewhere on the board or somewhere in the senior management, and so it would be quite a good career option for me, and it would be uh, a huge challenge, um, which was something that rugby taught you to embrace. Uh, so I embarked on that journey, um, and it was it was a pretty pretty awful three years of, of studying. I maybe read two or three novels as a rugby player. Uh, so when I walked into class on day one and saw sort of five books that were gonna, five folders that I was gonna have to get through in about a month, I thought, oh shit, what have I done here? Um, but perseverance uh, is, is also a skill you pick up and I kept on going and I qualified uh, two years ago. Um, I'm now working with Johnson Carmichael in the corporate finance team. So 
uh, plug for them if anyone needs any corporate finance uh, please come and uh, take my card afterwards <laughs> um, but yeah you know what I, I am enjoying it. Um, it it takes a while to get over rugby and it takes a while to sort of find enjoyment in other things but I can honestly say that I do I do enjoy what I do now um, do I miss rugby absolutely uh, not a day goes by where I don't miss it but I don't miss I don't miss the playing aspect as much um, I don't miss kind of having to crawl to the bathroom at four in the morning because I can't walk. Uh, my knees were just crippled by the end of it. And, um, you know, the playing aspect is one thing. I've got great memories of, of great games, um, but it's, it's the players that I miss the most. It's the changing room. It's the, the family that you, you create as a, as a rugby player in the Glasgow Warriors squad. Um, it's the kind of determination that you're going to be as good as you can be and you're going to do it together. And it's the discipline as well. Um, one thing I sort of struggled to get my head around when I entered the real world was the discipline. You know, the meeting starts at nine. As a rugby player, you're there at two minutes to nine. It doesn't really sort of work that way uh, when there's meetings that overrun in the real world. So, um, yeah, uh, the long-winded answer is yes, I do miss rugby, and that is what I'm doing now. <laughs> when, when you hung up your boots, you had 177 appearances for Glasgow, you must have thought... That's pretty safe there. I'll leave that there. No I one's going to get near that. Anything. I didn't think I was safe at all. Um, there were players like Pat MacArthur who had just broken 150. Obviously, this man who uh, who uh, who's now sort of sitting almost at 200. Um, so, whilst it was a record, I was very proud to have for that period of time. Um, Glasgow Warriors has become a club that people want to stay at and people want to play for a club that's winning. And Glasgow has become that. And, it's going to be a matter of time before more and more players just sort of get past that landmark. And uh, as we've seen with Rob, you know, he's, I'm sure, still got a couple of years to go. And, uh, you know, he'll breach 200 uh, in a few weeks. So um, glad to have held on to that for a while. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm equally as glad that the club is doing so well that more players are doing um, that. Graham, you'll remember those days really well. You remember Hewenden as well. What was a young, fresh faced Rob Harley like coming in through? Into the academy. I actually have a, a fairly vivid uh, memory of Rob when I first met him, or maybe not when I first met him, but certainly from those earlier days. And uh, it really sort of, um, I guess, it sort of typifies the kind of person he is and the player he became. It was uh, we were tra- it was raining and snowy one day, and we were training. Um, uh, what was that in Norfolk? What place called? Tory Glen. Tory Glen. We were training out there, and. Uh, I think Rob, you were in the academy at the time, and you, you, there was quite a few academy boys that were training with the senior squad. And um, at the end of the session, Sean Williams, the coach, and he <laughs> he rather sadistically got the academy players to line up. And Dan Parks was the ten at the time, and he had this um, incredible way of kicking the ball high, so that it, it only moved. It didn't spin; it just moved like a plastic bag. It was it was a horrible, a horrible kick. Uh, and Sean made the academy players come out one at a time to try and catch this ball and they had to catch it above their head so um, you know not cradling into the chest and if you caught it you could get out and if you if you didn't catch it you, do you remember this? I remember it very distinctly <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't catch it you had to join the back of the queue and uh, it was uh, Rob and Dave Denton were the last two and just kept on dropping it kept on dropping it and the players were kind of like now this is getting a little bit awkward let us please go inside because uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was embarrassing I guess awkward but um, Dave Denton caught the ball and Rob was on his own and he just kept on going and he kept on going until he caught the ball and you know it just sort of typified that determination that he had to become you know to become successful and become a good player and I'm not surprised that he's going to be hitting 200 games because that's the kind of person he is that resilience just to keep on going 
and, and you know, be fair play to him. So you remember what Rob was like, but both of you, you've seen lots of people come through who have gone on to have and are still having amazing careers. Do any anyone else really stick in the memory? Someone you saw for the first time who is now <coughs> Stuart Hogg, for example. Um, I was I was kicking around when Stuart came onto the scene. Uh, sort of young 18, 19 year old and uh, it was clear that he was going to be something special um, he, had a, he had a, I mean I, not that I can comment because my hair since I stopped playing has, has become penis but um, he had this horrible sort of sort of swept down uh, hairdo and he was just a, just this young guy from Hoyk that uh, we didn't really take too seriously but he could play and uh, we saw that and we knew that he could play um, and Finn Russell uh, as well so he was again coming through and, and he actually played his first game at 10. Um, I think he came off the bench uh, against Zebra away from home. Um, and my experiences of Finn up until this point had, had not been great. Um, he was uh, quite a sort of confident young man, which was which was good. But um, he used to, he, the gym sessions, he used to just dance in the corner. He didn't <laughs> used to, he didn't used to lift his weights. And Finn was uh, uh, sort of not the, not the most sort of, uh, gifted in terms of size so you used to sort of have to get on him and try and get him to lift his weight but he just used to want to, to dance more than anything um, but I remember the first time we played with him and uh, and I just saw this young ten sort of next to me and he was just smashing books uh, and I thought this guy's the size is going to be good um, so those two and there's no no surprise at the top of the game now um, but when I when I first saw them I thought they'd, they'd be pretty special. Hoggy told me that you had a unique nickname for him that no one else called him is that right? He was he was the weak chutney. That's right. Um, yeah, Hoggy, Hoggy was very confident, but uh, he sometimes used to get a little bit too confident. So um, when we moved into Scotstoun and the, the new changing rooms, there was two big there was two big change rooms at the props changing on game day, and uh, I walked into the change room as a senior player, and Hoggy's sitting in one of them, and I said, "What what on earth are you doing here?" And he was like beat it and uh, so I said no 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 and there, there's a there's a small one in the corner that's kind of like overlapping well the, the big ones overlap it and you can't kind of fit in there and, and he changed there for the next year um, <laughs> but uh, you know all, all good all good fun I was actually speaking to him about that on the weekend and he was just laughing his head off at it so uh, hopefully it didn't uh, it didn't scar him too badly I mean, Rob mentioned his debut there do you remember yours do you remember your first first time yeah, it was at Hew the old Hewenden um, and it was against Newcastle in a pre-season friendly and my opposite man was a guy called Mark Mayerhoffler who was an ex-All Black you know I was sort of relatively fresh out of school um, and yeah um, remember not being able to eat for about two days before the game uh, but you know remember most of the game and uh, it, was a, it was a hugely it was a, it was a huge honour um, I used to sort of be in a huddle with guys like Gordon Bullock and Glenn Metcalf and Andrew Henderson and uh, you know kind of have to pinch myself that I was actually playing with these guys and I used to watch them a couple of years previously on TV so um, yeah I, I do remember it well and uh, you know I'm extremely proud to have, have played at that time as well. And Graham yourself is there a, a game or a few games that you treasure above all others? I think the 1870s who cup games were always special um, it's tough watching them now still um, you know, I, I really sort of do appreciate the fact that Edinburgh have uh, turned a corner, I think, under Richard Cockerell, and, um, whereas it used to be sort of a 70% Glasgow squad, and then the sort of Edinburgh and Exiles would make up the rest. It's now very much balanced, and um, that's been good. Uh, so it's going to be good competition. But Edinburgh have upset Glasgow a couple of times in the past few years, and it's, it's, it's tough to watch still to this day. My wife 
usually sort of leaves the house when 1872 is on because I'm uh, pretty focused and, uh, and uh, you know, my language isn't, isn't um, the most PC. Um, but I think probably the most memorable game uh, of all time that I had in Glasgow was when we beat Toulouse away from home in the Heineken Cup. Um, it was uh, it was at the Stade Ernest Wallon and they had not lost a game there in two years. We went over there uh, and no one expected us to win at all. Um, and we had nothing to lose and we just came together as a squad the day before the game and we said, listen, you know, the sort of the playbook's out the window. Um, in defence, we're just going to absolutely blitz them and we're not going to really care about the system. We're just going to get off the line. Uh, and they just did not know what to do. Uh, we had both Evans boys playing as well. So, they, I mean, it was just get the ball wide and, mm -hmm. and get the ball wide and get it to them and see what happens. And we kind of got a good lead pretty early. Um, and then we started to tire and they brought on a few players and, and brought us close, but we won that game and it was just, it was one of those where you sort of feel that you should go out and absolutely hammer it in celebrations, but we were so, we were also pleased, but we were also tired that uh, it, was an, it was an early light, night for most, but um, uh, yeah, still still probably one of, the, one of the best memories in a Glasgow show that I've got. You both have. I think for us, um, through our development as a, as a Glasgow court to become the, the team they are today was, was Leinster. When you played against Leinster, you knew you were you know, going up against pretty much an international side. And when we lost um, in the kind of like the, the, the playoff match in my last season, or second last season, um, when we finished third, we basically studied their game and learned to play and take the contact area like them because they were so good at it. Uh, and on an individual basis, you know, their whole back line was pretty phenomenal with the Sexton. Uh, but in the centre, they had Darcy and O'Driscoll. Um, and you know, it was always a great honour to play against those guys uh, because they were rarely not on the top of their game. Uh, and you knew you were in for a pretty tough game. And uh, yeah, huge, huge honour to play against us as frequently as we did. Um, but certainly, certainly um, came out of... Uh, Leinster matches uh, having having improved somehow <laughs> mentally or, or physically. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast. If you'd be interested in attending events like that at the famous Grouse and becoming a member of the Glasgow Warriors Business Club, then visit our website, glasgowwarriors.org. Um, actually excited for the weekend, Europe European game back at Scotston and then Edinburgh around the corner. What's the what's the buzz in the camp like? Yeah, big buzz. Uh, a few sore bodies after the weekend, but we've had a kind of the good thing about uh, the, the next few games is that we're going to have a week's recovery in between each game. So, a bit of a quieter start to the week, uh, some review meetings, stuff like that, looking at things we can improve on. Um, but, you know, everybody's uh, looking forward to, to the game this week and, and being back at Scotston. Um, you know, another massive game for the club, one that we have to get right if we want to uh, obviously continue in this competition. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting week, and you know, obviously with Edinburgh around the corner, it's uh, kind of in the back of everybody's mind. But I guess the focus will be on this week and and just getting the job done out there. So um, yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's pretty buzzy, and uh, yeah, the Christmas is Christmas theme starting to come out. I think we've got a secret Santa. Uh, I think that's happening at the end of this week, I believe. So has that been drawn yet? Or it's not? not been drawn. Um, I don't know what how, how it's going to work. Who would be um, the worst person to pull out that hat, though? Who would be a nightmare to buy for? Um, probably somebody like Tommy. 
<laughs> because I just don't know what he'd want, man. I, I don't know what he'd like. He's a uh, yeah. I don't know what he'd fancy. What about the easiest? Who's just the so easiest? Easy to please? The easiest would be probably Darcy because Darcy was just happy with anything. You know, he's <laughs> he'd be really grateful if you gave him a pair of socks or you know if you bought him an iPhone. Doesn't matter what it be. He'd probably be equally grateful for it. So uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be a good laugh. Well, thanks for tuning in to Warriors Weekly, um, and thanks for everyone who came up to us on this chat of flight and said they enjoyed the podcast. Keep your feedback coming in. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, and every other podcast platform, and tweet us your feedback using the hashtag Warriors Weekly. All being well, we'll have an 1872 and Christmas special for you next week. We can't tell you much more, but hopefully it'll be an, a longer episode and with some really special guests, so keep an eye out for that, and we'll see you then. Thanks very much. Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Woo.